0: Well, this is a very special day. Uh, I get to talk with the author of Mr. Met and someone who's really been so kind to my dad and I for years. He was the former Mets PR relations manager. Now he's still in the community development and he's doing the vet alumni. He's doing a lot of stuff with the Mets still. Jay Horowitz, my goodness, a friend of 20 something years. Thanks for joining me today. My
1: pleasure to be with you, guys. My pleasure.
0: So first things first, thank you for all you've done for the Mets and the community over the years. And... You know, when you retired, people were like, oh no, Jay's leaving, but you haven't left yet, right? You're still very involved yeah, with the
1: team. I'm, I'm semi-retired, Alex. I, uh, two years ago, I became the head of the alumni relations with the Mets, and you know, we haven't done a lot of stuff with our alumni through the years, and I just want to reach out to the guys and let them know we care. at you know, doing like some podcasts and the newsletter and bringing them back and forth to the stadium. It's retraining and, and basically just letting them know we care about them and trying to rekindle some of the relationships we've had in the past.
0: And you know what today is? In 1998, I believe, today was the debut of Mike Piazza as a Met. Yes. So yes. take yes. us through that day, firstly, as a, as a starter.
1: Well, it was uh, you know, Mike was coming. We, we sent the limit to the airport to pick him up. The plane was late. We were playing the Brewers in the afternoon game, and he got there late, and he, he uh, got right to uniform, and Al Ryder pitched a 3 shut shutout, I think, that day against the Brewers, and, and after the game uh, – we brought him over to the old Jets locker, which is next to our locker room we chased Chase Dave, and it was packed, and right then and there, I knew my job would be different, it was, Mike was like a rock star then, he, um, you know, we, we got more media, more fans, more national attention, and, you know, Mike really transformed our whole organization, gave him credibility, you know, the next year, we got into the playoffs, in 2000 was the World Series, but he, uh, he just was a, we didn't have that kind of a player, and, he just uh, gravitated people to him, the media to him, and it was just a really transforming experience for me and the ballpark.
0: Jay, that was a, a whole interesting thing because that trade wasn't made at the deadline; it was made in May. I mean, it was just an unusual circumstance, so to speak, right? The way he, he went, from.
1: he went to uh, Miami, and honestly, when he went to Miami, it was kind of the speculation. It was that Miami was going to hold him, but it wasn't really like the day before that I found out he was coming here and. Uh, you know Steve Phillips and, uh, and the ownership did a great job getting him over here, and uh, you know he really was a shot my heart to our ball club and really unexpected at the time.
0: And he made so many records with the Mets too. But obviously, when you think about what we're going through right now, and I hope you're doing well in quarantine. By the way, I'm sure Mets Nation. Yeah,
1: every, we as all your families well right too. We're doing good. Doing good.
0: But but you cannot help but think of the way Piazza pulled us through 911, right? I mean, you can't yeah. help but make that connection.
1: His home run, you know, was it, you know when he came up to bat the a and he, you know, you just had a feeling something was going to happen because Mike was a kind of a guy. The biggest situation, the bigger he stepped up, and you know that, think that was more than a home run. It was something that really unified the city. Um, you know, gave people hope, let people smile after 9/11. And after the game, Mike and of our, you know, most of our team sat in the dugout and we signed autographs for the widows and the police and the firemen and you know that whole thing wasn't just a home run i was really really proud of our team what we did in 9-11 from ownership right down to bobby valentine and the players like robin ventura todd zeal vance wilson joe McEwen. we made countless visits to to ground zero to visit the fire the police and, and, and then you know and the, and the fans down there and our our parking lot was a restoration area where we sent supplies down to other people down by Grand Zero's so it was a pretty you know, that one thing nineteen eighty six was a great time but for me the best memory was that what we did as an organization after the attacks of nine eleven. 11
0: Well Jay, let's let's take it way back because I know that People might want to know your story. You are, this, you are this beloved PR man for the Mets, and you're in the community. But tell us your story. Where did you start, and how did you become so ingrained in the Mets organization?
1: Well, we have, I saw from the beginning. I was a, I was a terrible athlete. I uh, uh, wasn't much of an athlete. All my friends played sports. So literally, for instance, I played for a team called Epstein in New Jersey, and the only way I could hit the ball was to bunt, and I bunged it all the time. Uh, when I got to high school, I couldn't play because uh, then I became a manager for about 12 different sports. And on senior day, I remember I, got, I had more letters on my letterman sweater to the starting quarterback. So then I went away to college. I became the SID at NYU, my alma mater. Then I went to work at Fairleigh Dickinson um, in college here in New Jersey, and I worked here from 72 to 80. And then probably in the winter of eighty I got a call from someone see back up for a second. In February nineteen eighty I had accepted a job as a PR guy to work with Tony Kubek and Joe Garagiola on a game of the week for NBC and about a week before I was supposed to start I got a call from somebody who said he was representing the Mets when I like to join and come interview for, for the Mets job. I proceeded to hang up on him, and uh, uh, I found a couple of days later that it was a legitimate a, offer. I went down to, to Florida to interview for a job, and uh, you know, 40 years later, I'm still here.
0: Wow. And, and then you, you, you work your way through the organization. You were there for 86. And I know that your book, Mr. Met, sort of covers that journey that you were on. During the '86 year,
1: yeah, it, it, it's just the, the relationships of you know how the club uh, reacted. You know, you know, working with David Johnson. You know, when Davey was hired in the, in, um, in, the, in, in October of '93, I knew we got a good one. The first words in the press conference were, "You know, to the meetings, and why did it take so long to hire me?" Davey was a I was a really cocky. You know, um, he had a lot of you know he, he just believed in himself and. And then in um, in eighty three, in eighty four rather, we got uh, you know Daryl came in eighty three, you know Keith came in eighty three, and in June in eighty four we had Doc and, and and Ron Darling and and Gary down here, and you know and, 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 and won, in in nineteen eighty six we won one hundred and eight games, and that was that. It was it. We just particular team out. You never knew what you'd expect when it came to the ballpark. There's a lot of different personalities on the team with Daryl and Doc, and you know, and Ronnie and Gary Carter and Lenny and and Rale- and Wally uh, and, and Backman. And you just never knew what you'd expect, when you got to the ballpark, they were a really interesting group of guys.
0: Well, let's let's talk into the you know because you were there when Doc and Daryl were rising up. And right. Keith was his experienced veteran that was going to help win the team. But really, let's start with Doc and Darryl. What were they like to work with as a rookie?
1: Well, you know, I probably made my biggest mistake uh, with with, with Darryl. When Dow came to the Mets in nineteen uh, May 6, eighty three, he was you know, former number one draft pick. He was called the Black Williams, you know, and it was a lot of pressure on him at that time because our team was really bad. And you know when I did, I accepted every interview. I didn't say no to anything. Could be a small paper from Utah, uh, little TV station in Tennessee. I said yes to that, and which was a, a bad mistake on my part. And you yeah, know, but rebound we got to look at the year award, and next year with Dwight, we try to be a little bit more protective of him. Like we, we would only speak the day after he pitched and one day in between. There's still was an awful lot of pressure for these young guys. I mean, Dwight was 19, you know, from, you know, coming from a small town, you know, small family in and, and, uh, and Tampa, Tampa, and it just, uh, you know, they just, you know, we just, there was a lot of pressure coming to New York as young kids, and, um, you know, they, you know they, they rose to the occasion and, you know, led us to the promised land in 1986.
0: They did, and of course, later on, they would have their struggles with everything, and, I mean, were you there for them through those times too? Yeah,
1: I'm still there from there. You know what? I mean, Darrell and his wife have become ministers.
0: It's amazing. Uh,
1: I mean, they 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 speak. They go around the country speaking about the evils of drugs and. And you know, really, Doc speaks to a lot of high school kids and and grammar school kids. He tells you he works for Hackensack Hospital. He he, he, goes and sees sick kids in the hospital, and basically, the message is is the same message: you know, don't do as I did. Mm. You know, and you are not afraid to to say that. And we look at examples of. People have made mistakes. I'm really proud to say that both of them have turned your life around and do good things in the community and, you know, to this day. One thing, you know, in my job, I stay in contact with a lot of guys I work with through the years, and, you know, and, and I'm really proud of having, you know, they had some bumps in the road, and, but they Really rectified your life, and you're on the right path
0: now. They really are. It's and I had seen Dwight at a, at a function a couple of years ago. He seemed great. He's doing good. So right. thank God for that. Now right. Jay, one guy that we we should cover here and your experience with him was Gary Carter. I mean, you had all these yeah. personalities. Then you sort of had the calming force in Gary Carter. What was that like working with
1: him? G- Gary, uh, you know, you know, Gary was you know he came as uh, the reputation is. You know, Kid camera uh, because he, you know, supposedly liked interviews. But Gary, Gary was was a guy who got both ends of the of uh, the, uh, the same plane, the plane, and, and his devotion to community uh, relations. You know, Gary's mother died at a young age at uh, at uh, fifty; she was very sick from leukemia. And Gary was such a giving person. He uh, he never turned away an autograph. never turned away a charity event. You know, he won the Roberto Clemente Award. Uh, uh for his work with charities and unfortunately gary was uh, was taken from a all too long bed for sure fifty 57 he died of brain cancer but he will tell me a little bit about Gary Carter and in September um when he got sick in um, in the September of 2000 was uh, in, in, in 11 I broke my ankle I fell and Gary called me every other day Right. And see how I was doing and, and at that point he was has diagnosed with brain cancer. I went down to see him and Jeff looked on one of our letters in February and January of two thousand and twelve and a couple of months later, you know, a couple of weeks later he was dead. Yeah. You know, he was I mean, he was such a you know Gary predated analytics. He he kept books on all the pictures, uh for, you know, to, you know, when all pictures through, he wrote down stuff trying to help them. You know, Gary could go off 4 in of game, but as long as we won, he didn't care. And, and he was, you know, he was such a decent, decent guy. You know, and it just uh, every every February 12th, we think about the, the passing, but he's a, he, he's just a really kind person who, he understood He was more of a playing ball he gets at home run. His work with the kids and the charities is just something to remember.
0: All right. Uh, Jay Harwood, is what we're talking with, He's written the book, Mr. Met, and, uh, Obviously, there is a Mr. Met at City Field and Chase Stadium, uh, and he's beloved just as much as you know, just as much as you are, Jay. So uh, I guess that's where his his inspiration was was the naming of the book, obviously, right? Like his inspiration.
1: Well, you know, no, know. was kind of a funny story uh, how that happened. Uh, that I, I have when I did this book, the you know, I was dealing at the time with the older players, and he wanted to develop a. So you are a CEO who had a current team who had a good relationship with and that probably was, was Jacob DeGrom. So Jacob and I had a pretty cool relationship. Uh, when I asked him to do an interview, he would never say yes right away. He would say, Jay, I'll do the interview for you if you can come out on the field. The phone goes to Stephen Mattson and myself. Or he would say, we have a little basketball net in the clubhouse. He would say, I'll do an interview for you if you make two baskets, and I never, again, not much of an athlete, but Jacob's always in the interviews, so the author said, you think Jacob DeGrom would help write a forward for, for the post, And I asked him he very kindly, did, and in the course of that interview, he said to the author, you know what, in my eyes, he's the real Mr. Met, mm. and we got the permission to use the title for the book, and you know, and, um, and you know, it's good to, you know, you gotta remember, you know, when Jake came up here in 2014, he came up as a relief pitcher. He never pitched in the evening, the bullpen. He pitched a seven innings against the Yankees, hit that one run, and the rest is of his history, Looking the your work, two side young. And there's no doubt in my mind that you know, he can win another side young or two. But he was kind enough to sit down and write the follies for my book, and he used the term Mr. Matt, and they kind of went from there.
0: Well, let's talk about Jacob. You know, everybody talks about right, and we're going to get to him too because that was a special connection too. But with with Jacob, I mean, the guy is a winner. He he wants to win. He pitches like he wants to win, and, and it's great that you have that friendship with him. Now, were you his PR person at the time when he first came up? You know, the... I came up in, I
1: came up in He came up in May of two thousand and fourteen, and you know we worked together for the Rookie of the Year award and his first side, uh, You know, you know I, I was I was was with him, and the other thing. He picked so many games where he get the one and one one wasn't lost. He never, ever, ever lost his composure in the interviews. He kept his cool. It was always about team, 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 team. That's all he cared about. That's what separates from me from the other people. Other people. All he cares about, you know, we can win 1-0, he's great. You know, he doesn't care how you know, many runs the other two is always we win. I mean, he really just cares about the team, and that's why he's successful. He's really focused on one thing. He, he comes to the park, wants to win, and wants to help the team win.
0: Jay, I think it's important that you have this conversation with, you know, about the book and about the team because quite often the headlines aren't kind to the Mets, and yet there is an organization that cares that's always there, and that message should be brought out too.
1: Yeah, we, you know, I mean, so one of the things about our organization, we we give back, and the, the real hunts of, you know, Fred and Jeff are probably on every hospital board or charity board in the city, and they're two giving people, like, i go back to 911 11 what we did, you know, for 911 11 just remarkable what we did, and even in the current you know, virus crisis, you know, we're, we're constantly giving food to hospitals and supplies and Florida. and kids with our AAA team and St. Lucie where our single-A our team. And so we're constantly giving back and, and that, you know, that, I mean, it's like make call it, with a work to relation like that. We understand is more than what goes on the field that we really should give back to the community in a big, big way.
0: Jay, I saw that firsthand at the Henry Viscardi School. You guys always came out and still do to the Henry Viscari School with Mr. Met and a few of the guys. And if you remember right. in 2007 with Joe Salonica arranging it, and Jill Lee and you as well and Iris, and we had this huge wiffle ball game for three innings and Tom Glavin pitched to our kids. It was the most surreal thing you'd ever see.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it, that's a great school. I'll never forget those when I used to go to the dinners with Mr. Katz and those kids were remarkable kids and just be a part of seeing them what you're doing is just really
0: remarkable. And our guys always got such a big kick out of being a part of that. That's beautiful. And and at the ballpark too, you were always having kids there, and it was it was great. Now, i got to ask you about David, because David Wright was the man on the Mets for years. Unfortunately, his back injury took him out, which is just one of the most – you wouldn't have thought it was that that would take him out, but that was life. But he really – he was trying to get through that and trying to play – but let's start with his final night. I mean, that was electricity from what I had seen uh,
1: that was, night. Yeah, uh, he he uh, he worked so hard to get back to that night. He won. was basically playing for his daughters. He's got three young daughters who really never saw him play before. So he he just he you know just wanted to get back and get back on the fields and do something that his daughters, would see him. But he just never gave up. And when he's when he came back in 2015. To get ready to play those games, to get ready to play the World Series. He used to take a good two, two and a half hours of exercising. He used to get to the ballpark like at 11 30, 12 o'clock to get ready for a 7 o'clock game. But he never gave up and worked himself back there to get to play. You know, let me. I, this is what I would say about Dave, David Wright. He's a seven time All Star is as is, is good a player he was, he was a hundred times better person. One one example in the last year or two when he wasn't playing the last year, he went to visit uh I, this do not tell telling anybody, a young kid who was dying of cancer at Sloan Canary Hospital. So I've been asked to anyone who follows for later, he kept visiting a kid when the young man passed, he went to the lake by himself, no newspapers, no no cameras, and once the David, all of David's charity work—probably ninety-nine point nine point nine percent of charity work was done without a camera. Mm. When he was 21, 22 years old, he started a foundation for kids in hospitals, and he—he and he, he had this uh, dinner in um, in his hometown of uh, Norfolk. He raised, you know, a, a close to a million dollars for a child's hospital in Norfolk but just a giving me, giving me person and uh, you know I'm, I have a really close relationship with him to this day we speak probably a couple of times a week and uh but he's just a remarkable person he's really just concentrating now on you know raising his young daughters and uh and before the virus he was coaching one of their kids the teams with ball teams I mean you know T team ball teams rather
0: mm well that is that is awesome, and of course he had the play i mean when he he was starting to rise, what was the media attention like on him, and what was your role with dealing, being the mitigator so to speak
1: well he he didn't was a star in New York, and I just try to group things by his locker, make it easier for him, like after a game, instead of doing a lot of interviews, we used to try and group people by his locker. You know, but David was very, very common. He never turned back anything. And again, he understood what his role was, that he became the, you know, captain, who became the club spokesman. You know, when we would lose a game point to one David was always by his locker. Explaining, you know, let's hope for tomorrow. So he got what it was to be the captain, and the guys used to go to him for advice. And he was always, you know, he used to sit with his last two years with the Mets. He always sat with Stephen Mass in the ground and tried to tell him the right things. He used to draw his experiences, you know, what to do. So David was always there. You know, he was always there for the younger guys. He always tried to give his expertise, trying to help them out. And part of the reason why Jacob DeGrom does so well with a lot of things now is from, from the things he learned from David Wright.
0: How has how the social media, though, however, been with the tweeting and all that? I mean, is it has it changed the game and the way PR departments been, have to it, work it now?
1: When I, when I first started, we used to write press releases and stuff like it. There's no more press releases anymore. Everything is on social media, everything is on Twitter. I mean, I, I, we, had, we used to have these media sessions in, in, uh, in, before the season started, and you have to tell the guys, be careful of what the rest of you to go who you're with, who are you with in an elevator. Some, it'll, it'll always uh, turn up on somebody's social media page. Remember what happened with Michael Phelps got caught doing some stuff a couple of years ago? Yeah. I mean, how many people how many people have fired because of the misuse of Twitter? You tell our guys, don't be political on Twitter. You know, you know, just be, you know, don't, you know, just try and become bland and, you know, don't give people stuff to write about. But that's changed the game dramatically, Alex. I mean, you have these young guys, all the younger guys have... Accounts now, You just have to you have to count to be careful what you write, because if you're writing to
0: your audience is millions now, and, you, and, and they have to be careful. They, they they should do the right thing. And no, and they do. And Alonzo kind of uh, hold on one second. Alonzo is is no no you know is a, is an exception because he doesn't do that on social media. He's very coy. He's very cool. And that's yeah, why Pete's he could be the next guy captain. Guy. Would you say that yeah, he could Pete's, be a uh, captain? Pete's
1: another guy. I mean, I don't really work with Pete, but Pete's another guy who gets it. He's got, he has got he gets it. The audio of the field, the stuff he did for his charities, and you know, heroes for homeless for heroes, he's got work in there. But Pete does a lot of good things in the community, but is certainly proud of him.
0: And uh, definitely so. And so how about nowadays? I mean, obviously these players are trying to be, be very, you know, careful in what they say, but they're obviously frustrated during this thing. So what is your advice to maybe the Uh, Mets of today while they're dealing with this whole thing?
1: I don't really ask. I don't really deal with the players. You know, the current players. I really kind of want to stay out of the current stuff. You know, I don't really, you know. They're in a a tough spot. You know, you have things that got to get done. I kind of want to stay away from giving advice
0: to the current players. Jay, I've got to ask you then because I know that last season – you guys had some amazing alumni events where right. I saw Jay Payton and uh, I think Zeal were in the rotunda one game. I mean, I'm hoping to see more of that when the season does. Yeah, well,
1: I'm hoping you get back to play what well, we did. We brought the alumni, four guys like Turk Wendell and you know, um, and uh, you know, Doug Flynn, Joe Youngblood, uh, Jay Payton, Butch Husky, and the fans love meeting the old players and uh, you got know, guys old timers like Jay Hook and Craig Anderson. Um, you know, uh, and, and, and Skip Lockwood. and we, as we're just trying to. I, our our fans love to talk about the past, and that's one of the joys of my job is helping you know bring some of those memories alive, and you know hopefully we get to a place when uh, you know we can, we can start doing that stuff again, and, uh, and that's what my goal is to keep keep the memories alive for the for the fans.
0: Jay, how is Ronnie's health? How is he doing?
1: Ronnie's doing good. Not good when he's in Florida now. Uh, you know, getting ready for spring, hopefully. But Ronnie's doing well and he has a core recovery and he's, he's ready to go
0: for a season season of SNY baseball. When, well, and who knows if they're going to have fans, but we'll get there when we get there, right? Right. Uh, right. Jay, in your book, I mean, you go into so much depth. What can people look forward to? And, I mean, right now, this the, reading things like this will help people's spirits up, wouldn't you say?
1: That's one of the reasons I'm, I'm hoping this, uh, this book brings some smiles to people, some fans, especially Mexicans. And one of the other reasons I wrote this book, Alex, I have a chapter in the book on Shannon Ford, who worked for me for 22 years. Uh, unfortunately, she died of uh, breast cancer at the ultimate young age of 44. What a courageous, courageous young lady. When she died, no less than nine major league teams held a moment of silence for her. She was a tremendous worker, a royal person, a great mother. And uh, I just wanted people to remember her legacy. Uh, I have a chapter to talk about her battle with cancer and what she did. And she, she she was sick, very sick in 2015, but she willed her way to the World Series and, mm. and fortunately you know, passed away in March of 2016. And MLB helped raise money to build a ballpark in her hometown of Lilleterre. So there was a shattered North Pole field. just a couple of from where she... You know um, where she grew up. And I hope people read the book, or read the chapter on Chad, and, and just remember what kind of a fighter and great person she was.
0: And I, I have to ask: Have you been going to City Field during this, or have you been home? Home? Like now, you... we've
1: been stuck down. we've been six. We I had the last time at we City Field was uh, March the eighth or night. So, mm. so but I'm hopeful to get back soon. You know, first, we got to get a I, We got to get this health thing straight now. We have to get a vaccine. You know, people can't be at risk. You know. So many two, you know, close to 100,000 people dead in the United States. This uh, is an unbelievable tragedy. We just have to get that straight in our thoughts. And I want to get back to baseball. Firstly, we have to be healthy, and the players, the fans, and the, and the people, everyday people have to be be able to be healthy and not be at risk anymore.
0: Jay, one last thing because Mets fans are seeing everything like it's an up and down world with the sell. When they not sell? Like who knows what's going on with that? But give us a positive message on the Mets environment right now that we may not be seeing uh, on the on the pages of the papers.
1: Well, let me just say this: that, 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 you know, sometimes your ownership, especially Jeff, gets some criticizing the paper. But working with him for close to three, four decades, no one cares more than Jeff and Fred real about winning. They, they care, they try to build the team. Last year we came out strong at the end. And they want nothing more than to get another championship for the Mets. They care about winning when we win. Fred and Jeff, they they both they they get mad. They you know, they you know, they don't they they don't they, maybe can, the arbitrary can't see it, but trust me, if somebody's been working with them up close, they do care, they do give a damn and they're working our tirelessly to try and build the win about Again, another championship for the for the Mets fans here in New York.
0: And what about you? What's your vision for the rest of your time on the Met, uh, at the Mets, and, and before full retirement, if you will? Like, what's your vision?
1: Well, I mean, hopefully, as long as they'll have me, on, I want to keep doing this alumni thing, keep uh, extending branches and developing connections, letting our uh, people, you know, from from Jay Hook in 1962 to Joe Torre, my first manager in 1980, just letting. Lenny, the old the alumni people know we care. Perfect example. Hopi Landry was the first player Mets took in a nineteen sixty one draft. I called him about a month ago and he said to me he's the first person who calls him from the organization in fifty years. I'm hoping to do more of that. Lenny just a phone call or of somebody sick. Let them know the Mets care about Just let them mm-hmm. know these other players know that we care about them. That's my goal for the rest of the time with the Mets.
0: And and obviously you're still outreaching to the Tom Seaver family and to Buddy Harrelson's yes, family. Yes, how are how yes, are they yes, doing yes, through all this?
1: Um, but, but Tom is, you know, I'm really happy because of his illness, haven't been able to speak to him in a couple of years. I correspond with Buddy's former wife and they ask about him. And you're they're, they're doing the best they can do with just – I thought you'd not idea where they are now. I mean, they both have been over for a little bit. Just got to say a prayer
0: for them and uh, let them keep going. Amen to that. That's that's what we have to do. Well, Jay, this has been inspiring, and I think it's going to uplift a lot of Met fans and <laughs> baseball fans. I mean, I know that you, you were, that were in the Thurman Munson Award Dinner. I mean, you were you, you were friends with both teams here in New York at the time. Yeah. So,
1: Yeah, I try and. I you know, just treat people like I would be treated. Try to be kind to people. And that's my whole philosophy going forward.
0: And it was great to see you at the dinner uh, just a few months ago. Crazy to think it was only a few months ago, but it was.
1: Yeah, it seems like an eternity ago, doesn't it? Yep. Hey, Jay, yeah.
0: keep us posted on how you're doing, and we will definitely okay. stay in touch.
1: thank you for your time, and be safe in your family.
0: Thank you, Jay. That was Jay Horowitz. He is okay. Mr. Metty. got the new book out. Yeah, and,
1: awesome. uh, Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye now. And uh, we will talk to you tomorrow. Have a great day.